Hey everyone, happy holidays. So if you tuned in last week, you saw that there wasn't a podcast, a new episode, and I'm being consistent, y'all. I usually tell y'all when I'm going on breaks, this was due to a technical difficulty. My computer just up and died on me for, I don't know, it just it just died. So I had to get it fixed. It is fixed now. Um, you are getting a new episode this week, and I appreciate your patience. Um, while you enjoy this episode, remember that you can support the Vagistine podcast in a few ways. One, you can listen on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Music, and Stitcher. You can tell a friend or two or three or four of them to listen to the podcast as well. Remember to rate the podcast on Apple Podcasts. You can leave comments on SoundCloud. I want to see what you think. I want to know what you think. So definitely let me hear it. Also, follow Vagisim on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Vagisim on each platform. Leave me your comments, send me your questions, DM me, do whatever you need to do. Get in touch with me because I love hearing from you, love hearing your feedback. Also, use hashtag Vagisim whenever you're talking about the podcast. I'll find it, I'll retweet it, I will repost it, whatever. I just love hearing from you. You can support with a little bit of coins, 28. 18, we're going to have a ton of Vagisim events, and the only way I can put them on is through your support. So you could drop some coins on my PayPal, and you could check that out, that link out on Vagisim.com, and you could also send me emails at Vagisim at gmail.com. I hope all of you are enjoying your holidays. I hope you're safe. I hope you're enjoying loved ones. And remember to make time for self-care. Take care of yourself during this holiday season. And I will talk to you all next week. Bye. Okay, ladies, now let's get information. I slay. Okay, ladies, now let's get information. You know you that bitch when you call out this conversation. All right. Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome to the Vagistine Podcast, where we're having courageous conversations about love, sex, and everything in between. And today, we have on the amazing Dr. Lori Mintz, who is the author of Becoming Clitorate, Why Orgasm Equality Matters and How to Get It. Hey, Dr. Lori, how are you? I'm really good, and I'm really excited and honored to be here. <laughs> Thank you so much for agreeing to be on. Thank you for sending me your amazing book. I, of course, I'm just, I'm a, I guess, a vagina connoisseur, vagina learner, day-to-day -day vulva learner. So whenever I get new information, I'm able to add more to my repertoire. I'm always happy. So thank you for sharing um, with me, and thank you for being on the podcast. My pleasure, pun intended. <laughs> so to start off with, who are you? What do you do? Can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. Yeah. So I am a professor at the University of Florida. Awesome. And I teach um, human sexuality, psychology of human sexuality is the actual name of the course, to about 150 students a year. Wow. That was actually my inspiration for writing this book as my students' experiences. In addition to that, I'm a licensed psychologist in private practice. I've been seeing private clients for general and 
sexual issues for over 25 years now. Uh, I also um, teach uh, counseling psych graduate students. I supervise their clinical and research work, and I write a Psychology Today blog, and Whoa. I actually have another book that came out before this one called A Tired Woman's Guide to Passionate Sex. So when I'm, And when I'm not doing all those things, I'm doing yoga, walking, sleeping, and spending time with my beloved uh, family. That's awesome. That's awesome. So you said that your students were an inspiration um, behind this book. Why, what were you seeing? What were you, what were you hearing from them? So what I was hearing when I first started teaching this class about six years ago, it just really, really blew me away. Mm -hmm. And that is, that's when I became aware of the orgasm gap that exists between generally um, the research is on really only on cisgender women mm -hmm. and men, but um, I've had a chance to talk to all people with penises and people mm -hmm. with vaginas mm -hmm. regardless of um, their gender orientation, and I can pretty well say from my basic experience that this orgasm gap is pretty pronounced when people with penises and people with vulvas get it on. Mm. And basically, it's that um, people with clitorises are having way, way, way fewer orgasms um, than um, people with penises. I'm going to give you one really striking stat. Um, and that was my inspiration for writing this book mm -hmm. because as I started teaching these students and seeing the orgasm gap and sort of teaching to the causes, I would get in, you know, replies from students, notes from students saying, thanks to this class, I'm orgasmic, or thanks <laughs> to what I learned in this class, my girlfriend's now having orgasms. And so I really wanted to spread the information more broadly um, about this orgasm gap. Um, that's just, you know, it's the striking statistic that's in the book that just blew my mind, and this is across six classes, so mm -hmm. hundreds and hundreds of students. I use these eye clickers where I ask them, you know, to answer questions, and then their response can come up on the board, and they can see how they compare to research. But averaging across over about five or 600 students, um, when I asked, do you or how often do you um, do you orgasm during do you orgasm during first time hookup sex? Fifty five percent of the men versus four percent of the women said yes. Wait, fifty five versus four percent. Nuh uh. Yeah. I could believe it. <laughs> and that was like, isn't that amazing? That is such a huge orgasm gap. Yeah. So closing that gap and those numbers that were the same year after year after year, maybe they'd be 56 and 3%, but they were always just blew me away and was really my inspiration for digging deeper and writing this book. Definitely. So why do you think that is, and I think it's going to lead us to just like the, the name of the book, but is it because we don't care about folks with vaginas? Do we not care about their pleasure? Do we not care about our pleasure? Like what, what do you think is contributing to this, to this orgasm gap? Well, 
That is a great question. <laughs> and I, in the book, I outline several causes of the orgasm gap. Yeah. And neither men or women are to blame. I blame culture mm. and um, and the lies that culture is teaching us. And there's a lot of lies, but I said, you know, in the book, I talk about slut shaming. I talk about no training in sexual communication. I talk about shame around sexuality, but I, I call out one reason and I call it the number one lie about getting laid. Mm. And I say that is the primary reason for the pleasure gap. And that is this image that is once you see it, you can't stop seeing it. It mm. is all around us of women reaching fast and fabulous orgasms from thrusting alone. Mm. Mm. And that image is around us. It surrounds us. And that is in my opinion, that is not the only, but that is the main, main culprit. Definitely. Definitely. I mean, and you're right. Who knows how to really please anyone? Because we're really not talking about it. And we're we're ashamed. And it's funny because I, I you know, I'm starting my, my college tour. And I one of the first stops I had was Morgan State University here in Baltimore. And I brought your book with me. And I like to put out um, a lot of books and just resources and information, you know, for folks to access when they come to one of my workshops. And something that kept coming up, and this is not just for those students, it's something that comes up in my Bajestine workshops is this fear of, you know, one, something's wrong with me. Um, and also that I don't want to, I don't want to hurt that person's feelings, but I've been having sex with them for months and nothing's happening. And, you know, people would come to me after these workshops and a lot of people came to me after the, the college one that I just did. And it was that same theme over and over again. Like, Oh, we do it, but like nothing's happening. Like, how do I get something to happen? And I'm like, well, tell me about what's, what are you doing? Like, are you in the, are you in the zone? Do you want to actually do this? Is your, you know, is what is your partner doing? And you're right. It's that get on top, thrust, pump, pump, pump. And, <laughs> and then... <laughs> yes, yes, yes. You nailed it. Pun intended. I mean, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I am so 100% with you. I, my students, clients, when I'm on radio shows, like the number one question, how do I reach orgasm? Mm. And they don't say intercourse. They say from sex because yeah. that's like our language even equates intercourse and sex. Like right. that they're one and the same. It's the main act. And, you know, 95% of women really, I mean, need some kind of clitoral stimulation to reach orgasm. Some women can't even orgasm with a penis in their vagina. Right. understand like hey when you're when you're walking down the hallway and you see your crush and you feel those feelings they're like oh I got it <laughs> so it's like as much as we want to keep it a secret like everyone understands that there's 
there's a function. There are places in our bodies that feel good, but then for some reason, when we get older and we start engaging in sex, it's like, who cares? For me, sometimes I think it becomes a who cares? And I think we see that in porn, a, a mainstream porn. We just see kind of like, who cares if the if the person with the vagina got off? Who cares, you know, if they even move the whole time? Who cares if they, you know, wanted to change positions? Because we see it very dominated by the person with the penis in the scene. Yeah. And, you know, to add on to that, you know, I wrote, you know, I have called the, this book is written for like, you know, millennial kind of college age, you know, individuals. And um, I wrote a blog where I called that the millennial generation, the most misinformed generation ever about sex. And, you know, it kind of went viral with them agreeing with me. And the reason I say that is because there are, there is still, as you know, as a sex educator, there is a lack of accurate sex education right in our culture you know only 13 states require sex ed to be medically accurate so you know you can tell people lies in school and you know church and you know synagogue based sex ed you can tell lies and that we act as if the clitoris doesn't exist in female pleasure but you know that was happening for years but now we have porn and i'm not against porn it can be entertaining but it's not realistic and all you see in porn is women like there's no foreplay there's no clitoral stimulation rarely the man like after two or three minutes at most the man sticks his penis in Mm -hmm. and the woman's like you know um, uh, like orgasming all over the place and of course so there's no accurate information but now it's being coupled with really graphic images of inaccurate information Mm. so that is to me such a problem absolutely and I think that's I feel like that's one of the drivers behind behind these questions um, around what is wrong with me. Because then it's either, and I think it communicates to both sides. If me as a person with the vagina, I'm not screaming out and having a good time, then the person with the penis or whoever I'm sleeping with, you know, because whoever could just be like, okay, what's going on here? And then for the person with the vagina receiving or what have you, if it doesn't feel good, then it's an automatic, what's wrong with me? Rather than what is the other person not doing? And I, and I haven't come across that. I don't think in any of my classes has anyone said, can you teach me how to talk to my man about doing X, Y, and Z? It's always becomes, how can I do this? And so I think we're just, we're on this damaging trajectory. Um, if that makes sense around what, sex and feeling good is supposed to look like and also I think in speaking about what feeling good is supposed to look like we even have this whole um sex has to end in an orgasm it can't just be we're having an intimate moment or sometimes ah I don't orgasm every time but it still felt good and fulfilling and we're not even having conversations around around what fulfilling sex looks like and I think that I mean I personally think that's a problem as well I could not agree more. Yeah. I could not agree more yeah. that, you know, we have to start with 
communication. What, you know, not about what am I doing wrong or this person is doing wrong or how am I broken, but, you know, starting with, you know, getting to know, I, in the book I advocate, getting to know your own body, know what brings you pleasure because everybody's different and then being able to communicate that to your partner. And at the same time, I had to grapple with, and I tried really hard to grapple with the fact, yes, I'm writing a book trying to help people with clitoris's orgasm, but at the same time I'm saying in the book, like, the goal to achieve orgasm, setting up orgasm as a goal to achieve, is the surefire way not to have an orgasm mm. as well. <laughs> that is true. If you're just stuck on that, you're not, good, you're not, going, you're not going far. Right. I'm not going to come. Am I going to come? Am I going to come? You're never going to come because you're not, you're, you're in your head right. instead of in your body. Exactly. Exactly. That is my, that is my biggest tip. And the tip that I give myself often when I'm like, wait, did I fold the laundry? Wait, did I do this? Just, <laughs> I just need to get in the moment. Exactly. Mindfulness. <laughs> you know, I mean, people are like, oh, you have to meditate an hour a day. No, that's not what mindfulness is. It's really just putting your mind in your body right. in the same space. So what your mind is focused on what's happening on your body, not about your email or your laundry or if you look good or smell good or are taking too long, you know, and it's it's really sex's best friend. Mindfulness is sex's best yeah. friend. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we have the book here and it's been sitting, it's been sitting next to me for, I mean, for so long because I'm a slow reader and because life got in the way. <laughs> I get that. Believe me, I get that. <laughs> um, but I've had this book, like I tried to, I was like, oh, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to read this while I'm on the plane while I was traveling. Then when I got to one of the pages, I was like, oh, okay, oh wait, okay, hold on. I need to... <laughs> I need to uh, I need to shield what I'm reading right now because folks are sitting all around me. And we have the beautiful illustrations in the book, um, but becoming clitorate. How did what is what is clitorate? What does that mean? Yeah, so that is a great question. So, uh, you know, I mean, you know, for just for the most. You know, if anyone's, I'm a very, like, very into puns, right? Mm -hmm. And um, so you can see that throughout the book. Yeah. In clitorate, I'm, I'm going to give you the surface meaning and then the deeper meaning. Obviously, it's, it's, a, it's a pun on combining clitorate and literate, so knowledgeable about the clitoris. But I also want to give a shout out. I did not create that term. Mm. Ian Kerner, okay. who wrote She Comes First, it was first used in 2004. Oh, okay. on the back of Ian Kerner's book and he also um, the word clitoracy was then on the back of his passionista passionista book in 2009 and he also wrote a book called the clitorate male so he's the one is that coined that term as far as I know and I give a shout out to him in the um in the acknowledgments because right. he's so about clitoracy and becoming clitorate that he's like of course use the word you right. know that spread the knowledge so so at its very basic level it's just a pun but to me it really is way beyond just knowing about the clitoris it's, yeah. it's because even a, a person with a, a vagina who does orgasm from just thrusting alone 
is clitorate. If she knows that's what brings her pleasure, mm-hmm. and she asks for it, and mm. she advocates for herself. So mm. to me, at its deepest level, becoming clitorate is knowing your own body, knowing what brings you pleasure, and being able to add, to be in charge of getting your own pleasure during a sexual encounter with another person um, rather than expecting that person to mind read. And it's about being empowered sexually and proud of yourself sexually and, you know, open sexually and open to new learning. So becoming clitorate is way beyond just the clitoris, but since the clitoris is so ignored um, and since 95% of women do need some form of clitoral stimulation to reach orgasm, Hence, it's, you know, front and center in the book. Mm, mm. So why do you think folks should care about becoming clitorate for a better sex life? Well, because if um, the book is really kind of, it's a combination of cultural or feminist analysis Mm -hmm. and self-help for, Mm -hmm. you know, for female orgasm. Mm -hmm. And to me, why people should become clitorate, it goes to the feminist principle of the book. And here I'm stealing um, um, other people's social justice um, quotes, Mm -hmm. um, but that there can be no quality without equality. Mm, Okay. And that, to me, I mean, that goes for all realms, but including the sexual realm, that you cannot have quality sex for either person unless you're equally valuing each person's most reliable route to orgasm. Ooh, I like it. Oh, good. Yay. (laughs) That's awesome. So something that I think that was really interesting um, to me in the book um, was this, this rule of thumb passage. And I think it was something around some research, some researchers found that women who can orgasm from the stimulation of just of thrusting penis may have less distance between their clitoral glands and vaginal opening um, than those who don't orgasm this way. I had, isn't it? fascinating i don't like i have i have this page like folded over and highlighted at the same time i was like wait what like i just i don't think i thought it's just so much more to me it just showed one is just so much more than just like getting in and and doing it number one (laughs) but number two i think it also speaks to that yeah you might you might have quote, be sexually experienced, but no matter what, every single person's body is so different and you can't do the same things that you did with somebody else to another person because of things like this, like just anatomical things in per- in people's bodies that may not be the same. And that really, that was one of the things that really stuck out to me as well. Yeah. You know, I, it's, um, I love that you know, study and stat because it really does say, no, you're not broken. (laughs) Your body is just built this way. And, you know, everybody's body is different. And yeah, this rule of thumb is like, has been found over and over. And I didn't put this in the book, but it's really interesting. Um, That's been confirmed with more, you know, actual research now. 
but Marie um, um, Bonaparte actually mm-hmm. figured that out, and she actually tried to alter her genitals to move her clitoris and her vaginal opening. I'm sorry. Closer together. <laughs> mutilated herself. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. If, wow. if you search that on Google, you'll find it. And it's, you know, because, and that even speaks, like, for centuries we've had this ideal way, like, of that women are supposed to come. It's like we have this orgasm hierarchy. Like, women who can thrust, who can orgasm from thrusting alone are the best, even though that's only about anywhere between 4 and 18%, depending on the study. Women who can orgasm from a penis in their vagina while they simultaneously stimulate their clit. Well, they're second best. But then those women who need straight up, straight on clitoral stimulation, mm-hmm. you know, who who actually, I talk to women who say, like, I feel distracted. I can't have a penis in my vagina mm. when I'm, when I'm, you know, they're like the bottom of the barrel. And, you know, excuse my language, but I call bullshit on that. Like, okay. there isn't a hierarchy. It's whatever, whatever works for a specific person and you know diving deeper pun intended into the feminist analysis of that to me it's like why do we have that hierarchy it's because we are privileging the way that people with penises orgasm and kind of saying well that's the way that everyone should orgasm Mm -hmm. even when that's not how most people with vulvas do orgasm definitely and I think one of the the principles that I like that that you had brought up in the book was never we don't when it comes to comparing pleasure between folks with penises and folks with vaginas it's it's like oh if we and I think this is societal and I think this happens for all ages and and especially when it comes to talking about um older women or seasoned women's pleasure as well is that we're easy to dismiss their lack of pleasure um versus when it comes to when it comes to a person with a penis we will never not focus on the penis because we know the penis is the primary is the primary way the head of the penis is the primary way for a person with a penis to to get off and to feel good and so it's to, i thought you had made that point very apparent through the book that we 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 need to focus on what causes the pleasure and what brings the pleasure rather than this way versus that way versus this G spot versus this type of orgasm versus that type of orgasm. And I I think that's, I think that's so true. We will never not centralize the penis when it comes to a male's pleasure and we will bend over backwards. We will, we will give them all the drugs. We will do all the erectile dysfunction studies. We will do everything that it takes to ensure that, folks with penises are, are getting theirs. And the other day, just, I think it was like two nights ago, I was driving downtown here in Baltimore and there's a huge billboard around like, Hey, do you need help with your erectile dysfunction? I was like, okay, really? This could be mainstream. <laughs> I could, I forgot what, I don't know if it was like a hospital or if it was like a drug company that was, that was advertising. But I just feel like I would, I will never ever see that type of advertising or that type of centering around women's pleasure in such a public and direct way, um, like as a billboard. Right. Wouldn't you love to see a billboard that was like flashing, need help telling your partner about your clitoris? Right. 
I'm waiting for that day because it's just it's just so un- like when I saw it, I was just I was appalled, and I just thought it was just like so unfortunate that I mean I I hope through all the work that you know me you and so many other awesome um, sex educators out there are doing is 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 ele- will elevate these conversations, but. I'm like, really, y'all? We just, when are we going to change this? This is ridiculous. Yeah, I hope so. I do think that, I hope, I do think the conversation is opening. And that's why I really wanted the word or some form of the word clitoris on the cover of the book. And I think more and more people are just trying to say it, like, loudly. I don't, you know, it makes me think of two things. One is um, that... You know, I talk in the book about, like, just naming it, like, and I actually have caught in a lot of flack for this. This is the one part that, like, I got, I was surprised this was the one that I caught some flack on social media, where I talk about, like, nicknaming the clitoris. Mm. Like, <laughs> I make the point that, um, you know, we have countless nicknames for the penis. Like, the word dick isn't even thought of as a man's name anymore, mm. you know? And I'm not saying we shouldn't use proper words like vulva, clitoris, penis, but we have so many names, nicknames for the penis, and there's very few names that women comfortably call their clitoris. So I actually, um, I I suggest a few um, in the book, like Tori, since it's in the word clitoris, or um, Cleo. And, you know, I just think that it's part of the conversation, just naming the name, talking about it. Um, And then the second thing, I don't know if you've seen these articles lately, there's a, and you probably might be, we met on social media, so you might be following this person, um, Clitorosity. There's someone drawing Mm -hmm. clitorises all over sidewalks, all over the world, just to open the conversation. And it's just fantastic. Yeah, I, I... I'm ready. I'm ready for it to ch- to change over because I don't think I, I don't think I could handle handle this anymore because it's just it's 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 ridiculous and I think we all know that I think I think it's one of those I don't want to say it's one of those those unsaid I just think it's one of those things that we all know through conversations with girlfriends we all know know conversations through friends that there are folks that are not getting theirs and it's just it's just not fair and I feel like those folks are overwhelming overwhelmingly (laughs) people with vaginas like I haven't talked to a guy friend yet who's been like oh can't do it just can't orgasm she can't find my penis right like it's just never (laughs) it's never how am I gonna tell her where it is exactly Exactly. Like, I doubt that at the barbershop that dudes are like, man. Yeah. You know, and it's funny you say you can't stand this anymore because when I, you know, was Mark, you know, trying to find a publisher for the book, and I was so fortunate to get such an amazing editor and publisher. But, um, you know, until I did, a lot of the questions I got were, do we really need this in 2017? Yeah. Doesn't everyone know this? Like, didn't we learn this in the 60s with our bodies ourselves? And my answer was, like, data-driven from my class. Like, no, we do need this more than ever. But in writing the book, I found that this. what's really interesting is this conversation about female pleasure and the clitoris, it's like – it's like come and no pun intended. Yeah. It's come and gone, come and gone, come and gone. It's like we have these cultural awakenings and then we forget it. Right. Another cultural awakening and then we forget it. And I'm just 
I'm really hoping hoping that like this is like the last time like we're it's here to stay. I I I definitely hope so. I think I hope folks are listening, and I also hope folks are advocating and speaking up. I feel like one of the main things I hear is I don't want to hurt my partner's feelings, or I I I don't want them to feel like something's wrong with them. But then it just leaves this whole. Um, it's this whole culture of silence around advocating for yourself and and encouraging your partner to become clitorate. Yeah, and that men, you know, that all that, like, I don't want to hurt his feelings, like, that's where clitoracy, you know, first of all, by faking, I tell people you're training your partner to do exactly does, what doesn't work for you. Um, and, you know, people with penises are really harmed by all this as well because they feel enormous pressure you know and they have so many issues around feeling pressure about their penis size how long they last how hard they thrust mm. and once they realize that that they can create pleasure with their hands their tongues whatever and you know holding a vibrator and and then you know focus on their pleasure if they want however they want it during intercourse it takes enormous pressure off um so everyone everyone benefits from honest conversations everyone benefits from becoming clitorate definitely and something that i always share is when a person like we're doing this act and we're to we're we're doing whatever for pleasure like this is i'm assuming these are the terms that we've that that we've that we've established and so i feel like we're just doing ourselves a disservice and i always say to folks it's all about how you say things like just like with anything if you don't like your service or your food or dissatisfied with anything we we we, we don't really hesitate speaking up, but when it comes to this, I think we do have some work and knowing that it's not about hurt feelings. It is about centering yourself and, and, and really getting the pleasure that you deserve. I could not, I could not agree more. I feel like applauding. Like, yes, it's all about how you say it, but it's it's so important to say it, to have these conversations. Um, and, you know, but that whole idea, like, sex is for pleasure, it's like literal. I don't know if you, I'm curious if you have this experience when you're teaching, because when I'm teaching, it's almost like, it's like almost like an aha moment when I say that because they've never been told by, a, you know, my students have never been told by an adult, like, wait, this is supposed to be fun, mm. you know, because yeah. all of our sex ed is about the dangers of it and how you're going to get an STI and yeah. get pregnant or worse, you know. I've heard so many horror stories that, you know, this is for pleasure, but people aren't really educated to think of sex that way like they intuitively know it and then you couple that with all the misinformation and lies about what is pleasurable only the act of intercourse is the ultimate pleasure right that um that's where you get some of the problems really coming in i totally agree with you it's the the same it's it's the same exact thing i think that i mean we do we do have a ways to go with our culture as far as as far as feeling comfortable with talking about pleasure, because even for me, um, working here in Baltimore, even the way that I may frame our classes, you know, I, I of course, tr- of course do my best. And I'm, you know, I talk about how things aren't supposed to hurt and you need to speak up and you need consent. And 
what all that stuff entails, but then it's like you're still working within the system as well with adults who may not feel comfortable <laughs> or the facilitator right. or the coordinator of the program who may not feel comfortable. So it's like this, this, um, this, it's, it's just this cycle over and over again around, all right, like, you know, as, as, as much as you want to be honest, it's like, because our culture is so driven by like, all right, if we're going to talk about sex, we might as well talk about the dangers of it. It just becomes this visit, this vicious cycle over and over and over again. So I totally, I totally, uh, totally feel you. And I totally. Yeah. And it sounds like in your teaching position, you're much more, um, constrained by the systems of what who where you're going into what education programs and what they want you to say um you know very different right than the podcast whereas (laughs) you know when I'm teaching my college class like it's my class and I get to stand up there and make jokes and you know tell you know tell them hey sex is supposed to be fun like (laughs) here's the deal you know and just be very and they're just like slack jock because they've not been in a academic setting where someone is saying these things you know yeah it's 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 really hard and I I feel like that's one of the the things that I'm constantly shifting is even because you know high school and college it's a different it's a different setting you're able to be a little bit more honest but then when it comes to like hey let's start you off as a fifth grader I think it's like already the fear that like someone's coming in to talk about sex and then it's like wait you're telling I remember I think it was last year I was teaching I think it was seventh or eighth graders and um there we like I like to do a parent information night before we start anything and uh, I had told the parents like hey so just FYI I think we should all get on the same page about sex and what that means and so um and what does abstinence mean and I said something like when I talk about sex, I just want you all to know that I'm talking about anal, oral, and vaginal sex. And I got, and I was like, you know, vaginals, anything, you know, into the vagina, anal, anything dealing with the anus, and oral, mouth to genitals, etc. And the look of terror that came across <laughs> these parents' face, they were like, wait, why do you, wait, what? And they were just so confused because it was like, why are you explicitly saying it like this? And I'm like, well, because we all need to know what we're talking about. Because some of your kids may seem sex may see sex as I I kiss somebody, whereas some of your kids may see sex as only vaginal sex. So we need to just be very clear. And I think it even starts there. It's like we are so terrified of the conversation. And more so terrified when it comes to younger people who are going to eventually be the folks that are going to be having sex and not getting the things that they need. And so it's it just be, it creates this this barrier, it creates this cycle of you know secrecy and and not being honest about what we're talking about, and not having the language in the words, which I feel is is one of the most powerful thing. We want to tell people you know, for instance, when they get older, speak up for yourself or advocate for yourself, but we don't give them the tools and the language to do that. So we, I think we have a whole bunch of different pieces and parts to to work through uh, to change this culture. 
Well, I give you so much credit. I really do because I think the work that you're doing and talking to younger, you know, elementary students and college students and high, I mean, high school students, it's just, and, and, you know, getting through to the parents, it's so important yeah. because you're absolutely right that, you know, we if we talk in euphemisms, we really hurt people. Like, you know, I've had so many, for example, um, gay and lesbian students, like, talk about, like, oh, yeah, my sex ed, they were like, don't have sex, and they meant intercourse, yeah. you know, like, so where's the safety information for me? Because we speak in these terms that really we don't define, and it's such a, it's so non-inclusive, and it's such a disservice, and you know, I, I, you know, I think people, when I talk about how I'd love to reform our sex ed, you know, in the whole, in the United States, people are like, oh, that'll never happen. That's, you know, a, you know, a dream. But, you know, I point to the, in the last chapter of the book where I kind of call for a revolution, basically, you know, I talk about sex ed in the Netherlands. They do exactly what you're talking about. They start early with age appropriate mm -hmm. anatomy, anatomy. They mm -hmm. talk about sex as both pleasure and the, the dangerous parts of it. And by the time the kids get into high school, they show porn, and they then have a conversation about the difference between real sex and porn sex. Ah, uh, every time I see that, I start, I start like, like freaking out because I know I can't. The terror <laughs> that if I, oh, like I, it, it, we have those conversations, but it only happens with the most progressive, progressive, progressive principals at schools, and I, I think I only have one or two of those. So wow, oh. I'm I'm amazed that you had any actually. <laughs> and he's work. Oh, maybe someday. <laughs> maybe someday when that bulletin board is up there flashing the clitoris, we'll have that too. <laughs> so before we get out of here, and I I mean I feel like I'm just so enlightened with with just becoming clitorate and just reading this book and just seeing and just seeing the conversation happen and all the different um, ways that that we can advocate for ourselves and, and ways that we can better understand our bodies. How do you think we can we can become more comfortable with becoming clitorate? Well, what, what should we I think be doing? it starts with this conversation. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I think talking about it, reading about it, you know, listening to it. I mean, the information in the book, I mean, I'm not trying to just sell the book. I, I really, <laughs> truly believe what I wrote. Like, I believe there's cliteracy in the book. But for so buying the book, giving it to girlfriends and you know, male friends, there's a chapter for men um, called You Don't Have to Have a Clitoris to Be Clitorate that summarizes the entire book mm. for people with penises. So talking about it, but for those who don't want to, um, you know, to um, buy the book or, you know, do that kind of a deep dive into reading it, I mean, I think just like sharing this podcast saying, hey, you know, I just heard on this podcast that there's this huge orgasm gap and it become it's because, you know, most women need clitoral stimulation to orgasm. But like look at this show on TV. Look how they're like she just came after two minutes, you know, just start like calling out lies, talking about it, mm. having the conversation, you know, just making it more of an open conversation of 
you know, let's not slut shame. Let's talk about the clitoris. Let's talk about female pleasure. Um, embrace it. Um, and, you know, talk about what brings us pleasure. And if you're a person with a penis, know that it's your penis. Like, you can let go of that myth and ask your partner, you know, hey, what, what, what brings you pleasure? Yes. And I feel, I feel like that's the biggest piece that we're missing. I feel oftentimes, especially with my adult classes, that there's some shame in asking. And it's like, if you don't know, then that's a bad thing rather than acknowledging that everyone has different things that they're into. Everybody has a different style. Some people like it aggressive. Some people don't. And so there's some shame there. And I can't quite put my finger on it. Like it's, it's, it's weird to ask somebody how they'd like to receive pleasure. Right. And it, and that's like, I, I gave this great program. I was so honored. I was brought in by a fraternity and a sorority brought me in for a joint um, program. And it was probably one of the most fun things I've ever done mm -hmm. because they got to talking about this and they got to saying like, how do I ask, you know, what do I say? How do I tell? And like the conclusion was just that, like, you know, we really need to just start asking and telling because everyone is different. And, you know, it is much easier. I, I say this in the book and I told the students this. It is a whole lot easier to learn to ask your partner um, what they like for pleasure than it is to learn to read minds. Definitely. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that we're, we we have some ways to go with 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 um and I think this applies to even all the stuff that's happening right now with consent and and sexual harassment that it's better to just ask somebody and and understand body language and their cues and just being forthright with the conversation rather than this guessing game that unfortunately we're playing with literally everything from pleasure to consent to to, to sexual harassment. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I've talked to people, yeah, the, the about this, you know, just talking. We're so not trained to have communication around anything, consent, you know, female pleasure. And, you know, I've had many, many students say to me, um, like, oh, I couldn't talk to that person about that. They think I was, like, weird or pushy, you know. And I'm <laughs> yes. like, you know. I say, well, first of all, there's research to show that, that people with um, with vulvas or women in the studies basically say, oh, I couldn't say what I want because I'd be feared of um, being pushy. But the men in the studies say, hey, it's a turn on when she tells me what she wants and it takes the relief off. Right. Um,
you know, we have this notion that like talking about it is more intimate and than actually doing it. Definitely. If I'm, and if, especially for me, the way I see it is if I'm going to spend my time to be here, then I might as well have a damn good time. And <laughs> the only way to have that damn good time is, is, is to talk about it. And I, and I always bring up, it does not, I think, I think when we're asking for things that we need, for some reason, it, it, it becomes framed in this, it has to be demanding and it has to be aggressive when it could just literally be a, a range of things. I feel like if you feel like your partner is, is almost there, give them some reinforcement and scooch their head or scooch their hip and to, to let them know what you like rather than just, just, just laying there and letting them, you know, do it halfway and, and you still don't get what you need out of the experience. Or it could be while you guys are having foreplay and you're talking to each other about what you are going to do and what, you know, like what we're doing to each other. Like, you know what? I love the last time when you did X, Y, or Z. I want you to do that again. Or I love when you do this. Can you try this on me this time? And making it something sexy rather than this. I don't know why we keep framing it as a negative to express. And I, and I mean, I know why. I, I think we, I think there's a lot of, just overall conversations around women being bitches or women being too demanding or being naggy and we always want to be seen as nice and I totally understand that but there's no nice nice when it comes to your pleasure so (laughs) I I completely agree and you know it's good sexual communication is just is an extension of good general communication you know, just what you were saying, I this, I that, like right. owning what you want with I statements, you know, Definitely. I mean, it's, it's sex, it's, you know, sexual communication is really, truly, you know, and I talk in the book, I, that's why I have a whole chapter on sexual, on communication. And I start with general communication and talk about, you know, communicating about sex before, during, after, like, how was that for you, you know, to improve it. And talking about sex when you're not having it. Like, we need to just start talking about sex both when we're having it and at other times as well. Definitely. Dr. Lori, I felt like I learned so much from this conversation and from reading your book. And I really appreciate you sending it to me. I appreciate you reaching out to me online. I appreciate following your page. And so I want everyone to, to feel all this goodness that I feel when I'm talking with you and reading your book. Where can we find you? Do you have any upcoming events and how can we support your work? Oh, thank you. And thank you. I, cause I really admire your work, <laughs> um, both your social media presence and the amazing education work you do with thank young you. people. So I don't have any upcoming events, but in terms of following me and supporting my work, um, you can get, buy a copy of Becoming Cliterate in hardcover form, um, uh, audio book or Kindle right now, Ooh. and you can get it any place books are sold, and there will be a paperback version coming out in May, so if you want to wait that long for the cheaper but paperback hold-in-your-hand version, <laughs> um, that's fine, too, and in terms of following me, I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and all my handles are the same, Dr. Lori Mintz. Yay! Awesome! So the last question before I let you go 
is around building another concept, um, but very much on par with becoming cliterate, is how do you build your vagisteam? So vagisteam and I believe this movement that I'm trying to build, um, I created a couple years ago. And basically I believe that vagisteam is a concept by which if a person has um, confidence and self-esteem and, and vagisteam of their genitals, of their vagina and vulva, that that will lead to a healthier and satisfying sex life. So how do you build your vagisteam? Um, my own personal vagisteam <laughs> is built <laughs> by knowledge. Definitely. You know, I'll be very honest with you. I have, and I talk about this in the book, mm -hmm. I have one of those genital profiles that, you know, I have one inner labia that is much longer mm -hmm. than the other. It sticks out. Mm -hmm. I joke that my genitals look like a, a face with a tongue sticking out. And <laughs> I never was self, I, you know, I was, I do. That's what they look like. That's the image, you know, they'll stick your tongue a little out of your mouth and there I am. And I never felt self-conscious about that because I was never, I, it goes back to those false images because mm. I didn't grow up in a porn era, right? There weren't online images, just like men in porn are chosen um, for having really big um, penises. Women are chosen or sometimes have surgery to have small and petite inner lips. So for me, my vagisteam comes in both in general and specifically, like literally, that my esteem comes from knowledge. It comes from knowing that we are all beautiful, like that there is a range of normal. There's a range of you know, normal, um, I hate that word normal, mm -hmm. so I, I want to retract that, yeah. but there's anything is, everything is fine. You know, you're completely fine the way you are and stop looking at false images of women's pleasure, women's genitals and own that your own is beautiful. And I think that's how I build my vagisteam and my self-esteem, which goes right hand in hand with my vagisteem is by gaining knowledge. And even though I wrote the book, there's always more to learn and learning is fun. And I've learned from you today in this conversation Aww, and I love that. So knowledge, knowledge is key. Thank you. Accurate thank you. knowledge. Yes. Thank you so much. And I have a listener question. Are you, are you down to Absolutely. answer before, before we leave? Absolutely, yeah. So this question comes from, I'm going to call this person, I'll just, I'll just, I'll go by six. Six wrote in <laughs> and okay. said, um, how do, how do I learn to love masturbation? I don't do it oh, often and it doesn't, and it doesn't turn me on much, um, I think I think it's putting me in a sexual rut. My partner is amazing between the sheets, but I know I'm lagging. And so I Okay. There's a lot great. in that question. <laughs> yeah. So um that is a great question because self love or masturbation is really sort of the cornerstone to um getting to know your body and it's always that's why I have a whole chapter on it in the book because it's always 
the first step when we help someone become orgasmic um, is to help them get comfortable with their own body and what they need. So what I'd love if I was in conversation, I would love to say like, what what don't you like about masturbation? What did you learn about masturbation as a kid? When are you doing it? A lot of times um, we like masturbate when we're kids and we do it really quickly so no one will catch us. Right. And then we carry that into our adult life. And so I would say, you know, make it a time for you. Try all different kinds of things. You know, try different ways of holding your body. Try different vibrators. Try going for a run first. Try mm. taking the opposite. Try taking a bubble bath first. But really, like, you know, lay down and, you know, do just, you know, it's, it's sort of like anything else that you're learning to do. Like, you know, I recently took up yoga and at first it was like really hard and the class would like feel like hours. Oh my gosh, when is this going to end? Now it flies by. Right. And self-love is, it is, it is no different than any other thing that you're trying to get comfortable with and learn. And I'd say, um, you know, use it as a time to explore yourself, love yourself, take the time, lay down. One of your favorite lovers can be you if you take the time to get comfortable. But it takes, because of what we're told about in our culture, it often takes an enormous amount of time to gain that comfort. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, you are welcome. I hope that helps um, the listener. Absolutely. Dr. Lori, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for making the time to be on with us. And I can't wait to see what you do next. Thank you again. Thank you for having me on. It's been really a pleasure. Yay! Awesome. So I'm going to hit.